Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the season with myself, Holly Warner and Glyn Price and we've got a special guest this week. So Glyn, how are you doing? I'm okay, yeah. It's been a, it's been a good weekend. Only a one game, but a, a good point for the town against the team top of the league. So um, yeah, not the worst week in, in general. And uh, as we were just talking before we start recording, nice to get a new voice on. So yeah, who's with us, Ollie? Here we've got Jack on the pod. Welcome, Jack. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me. It's, it's nice to get a, a younger voice on, Ollie, isn't it, than us, uh, you know... <laughs> 40-year-old-ish people, uh, so yeah, someone from the younger generation, so um, yeah, we normally ask our, our fans when they come on, Jack, what their first game is and how they started supporting town, really, so let's start with you there, I suspect these are going to be some eye-wateringly late-on numbers in my time supporting town, but go on, what, how did you get involved in supporting town and, and what was your first game? So, I actually used to live in Yorkshire, and then when I was like seven or eight, my parents split up, and my dad okay. used to live in Leeds, but we moved down here, and he used to come, come down and see us like every other weekend. And it just made sense really to go to the Shrewsbury game. So I think I don't actually remember what my first game was. I definitely went to one before the one I'm about to tell you, but I can't remember which one it was at all. Um, but the first game that I remember was Bury at home, the 21st of November 2009. Um, Graham Coughlin scored. I remember that, um, but I don't really remember anything else from the game. And then about a year after that is when we first started going properly. I got a season ticket, I think, in uh, Graham Turner's first year. Whereabouts are you in the ground at the moment then, with your season ticket? Uh, 19. Oh, there you go. Right in the mix. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, It's not hard that, Ollie, there were some games that were very easily forgettable, I suppose, during, <laughs> during 2009. Maybe it was one of those you first went to, Jack. But in that time then, obviously, yeah, only since 2009, who, who are your favourite players during that period so far? When I was really young, I really liked Matt Harold. I thought he was well good. He was like, and I don't really think we've had a striker like him since we had him. I don't know, he's just a different breed. But then since then, it's mainly been like John. I think just John Nolan was so good. He was he was like Class. the best player I've seen. Yeah, different gravy on the ball. And then Sean Wally. But I'd, I'd say number one for me is John Nolan. Yeah, he, um, okay. we just ticked so well, didn't we, when we had him? I don't know. I'd, I don't think we'll ever have a player like him again for a very long time. I can't believe we only got one million pounds for him. <laughs> That's probably quite a lot for us back in the day, though, wasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, no, um, yeah. But yeah, there we go. And obviously, favourite game. We normally do that one as well. Well, I don't want to go with something obvious. I mean, I went to Charlton away and that was unreal. Oh, Black- I thought Blackpool away the same season, even though we didn't win. That was just like, Special I don't know, it was just all really weird. weird. It was really weird. I remember when Hurst walked over and clapped us at the end and it was like, I don't know, it was, I just remember thinking at the time, like, oh, he's, he's gone, he's gone. It was just <laughs> a really, really weird atmosphere, but it was like, like it was like a carnival. That was well good. And then, but I think my favourite ever game was uh, 2011 away at Northampton. I think we won 3-2. Oh. Um, and I, three of the five goals were wonder goals. I remember... Uh, Michael Jacobs, who is, I don't know where he is now, but he was um, playing midfield for him and he scored two bangers. And then mm. James Collins, I think it was only a second or third game for us, he scored. David Davis scored the equaliser <laughs> to make it one all. And then we had John Taylor score that last minute, like yeah, half volley. Remember that? Yeah, it was a good game. I remember going away to that away game. It was a really good atmosphere. And yeah, Jacobs went to Wolves in the next year or so and was key for them getting out of League One. But they're awesome. not sure where he was now. So yeah, he's a proper talent. Yeah, oh, there we go. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the pod. Anyway, it's good to get a bit of background on, on our fans that have come on sort of thing. So cheers for that, Jack. We'll get some thoughts of you on the game. But I suppose, Ollie, you know, I think most people expect us to kind of address this up front, really. Um, before we get onto the game this week, there was something probably a bit more noteworthy, and, and unfortunately, really, um, in the, the, the passing of Steve Jagielka, obviously a, a bit of a Shrewsbury legend from the 90s and early 2000s. And um, yeah, unfortunately passed away at a, a terribly young age, age 43, um, was at the town for six years, um, one of the 200 club members and yeah I suppose just in general Ollie as a starting point and we'll come on to what we're going to do about Steve and his, and his legacy at the club but um, you know absolutely devastating for the club um, fans who got to know him and fans who watched him and also clearly his ex-teammates that are, we've seen some really glowing tributes from. Yeah he's one of those for those of the younger listeners he's he's that kind of classic 
winger, isn't he? Kind of like, mm. you know, very hardworking, very kind of, yeah, strong, stout, um, was, was a very strong player. Um, but also had that bit of flair, his highlights and his silver boots. And I saw some <laughs> nice tweets from um, Andy Tretton saying about how they used to take the mickey out of his out of his boots. But uh, he said at the heart of it, they were probably just jealous. But yeah, a really good player and a player that, um, yeah, it really hit me when I heard about it because, yeah, he's 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 like five years older than me, which is which is crazy. crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I remember him really fondly. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, I, I started going around that era, you know, the late 90s and, and Steve was one of those first players that really stood out for you with a bit of flair and, you know, you talk about his boots and it's a bit easy to, to sort of talk about that because it's the one thing that kind of stood out in his early years, you know, those silver boots, those Nikes. But the funny thing was you had to be a good player to get away wearing those boots and he, and he always did. He was always good enough to, to be the guy that was allowed to have them and I think that was a, a testament to what he brought really. But I, I was pretty devastated and, and I'll go into it more and well, I should mention it now. We're, we're probably going to do a special pod on Steve um, and his time at the football club and get some reflections of people who actually knew him um such as such as staff at the football club and i've also spoke to darren moss and hopefully a few more players and we'll, we'll put that out you know when the dust has settled and the, the family have had time to grieve it um and yeah for me it was even more devastating because i think i mentioned it on the pod several years ago that i actually had a night out with steve um his his ex-wife i think knew my wife they used to work together and um he was a really really lovely bloke when you got to know him off the off the pitch obviously it was my first sort of interaction with him in that circumstance so you know really sad to to, to know the man and, and having having spent some time with him and um yeah just devastating all round and i think you know we, we probably will 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 touch on a lot of this uh, a lot more won't we on that special podcast but just a terrible week really and i suppose for you jack interestingly on the on this circumstances that you know you didn't start going to 2009 you would have probably never seen Steve, Steve Jagelka play you might not even have been aware of him at your age but you know what have you made of the tributes really this week it clearly clearly a player that touched a lot of fans wasn't he um yeah it's weird for me because I don't really know anything about him but the um all the stuff I've been seeing on Twitter and all like the tributes that have been pouring in it's clear like the impact he had on the club and I don't I've I don't know it's, it's weird and it? it's just it, it's such a shame that he died at some, mm. such a young age Terrible, terrible, and, and and yeah, something that you know we'll get on to the game next. I think we'll move on to, to football related matters. But last thing I suppose we'll, we'll just touch on is the football club deserve a lot of credit, don't they, for what they did in terms of recognising Steve's contribution. You know, there was the, the initial the initial things, and then there was an absolutely brilliant, um, moving sort of tribute video, really, which I thought was one of the best things the club have put out for a long time in horribly horrible circumstances, but just a really nice thing to show. You know, some of those key moments he was involved in during his career for the football club. Yeah, he was involved such a key period for the club, wasn't it? Wouldn't be where we are now without his work and what mm. he did when he was around that time. Because it was a, t- a tough time for the club uh, financially. Obviously, we were struggling. So yeah, it was a nice video to see, and it was nice to see tributes from other football clubs as well. So it's good that yeah, it's obviously such a sad situation, um, but it's yeah, it's nice that he's been remembered by all the different clubs that he'll be played for. And I think we'll leave it there. Obviously, we pass on our best wishes and, and, and sort of love towards his family, friends, and, and ex-teammates, and anyone that knew Steve. Um, you know, we hope that uh, we, we hope that uh, he stays in our memory for a long time. And as I say, we all touch back on Steve and his, and his contribution to the football club, and a bit of a career retrospective, and some really touching tributes that I've, I've already recorded this week uh, in a couple of weeks, Ollie, when we put out that podcast. So, yeah, something something to uh, something to look forward to and remember Steve by. But yeah, we'll, we'll leave the, the sad news there, um, and, and we'll move on to something a bit more uplifting, which was uh, the one-one draw. The Gay Meadow pitch was only past fit on Friday afternoon, having been underwater for much of the week. The game's only goal came six minutes into the second half. Steve Jagielka sliding in Ryan Lowe's corner. 
So, uh, only game this week. A bit weird not to have a Tuesday night game. I didn't have anything to do on Tuesday night. It was really, really odd. So, um, yeah, I had to get used to that. But um, Saturday came round, quick as you like. And, yeah, it was Shrewsbury Town 1 um, with an own goal, um, which I'm sure our, our better will be disputing until he, <laughs> till he leaves us. Um, and a goal from, obviously, Greg Doherty to equalise for Hull City. So, 1-1, one, one, Ollie. A creditable result against the team top of the league, that's for sure. And we didn't lose to Hull this season, which I would never have guessed at the start of this season. But, yeah, go on. Not, not too many fat stats knocking around, but there was Certainly, I think one stat you're going to mention now that came out of this game, Ollie, which is which is eye-watering. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, this game was dominated by one aspect of, of the match. Coming into the game, <laughs> Hull um, had won five in a row. So yeah, obviously when we played them, they'd kind of start this dip in form, uh, which went on for quite a while. But now they're back on and they're red hot again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've taken four points off the team that are currently top and possibly probably favourites to, to win the league. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously they came in good form. We we got a couple of good decent results obviously the one at Rochdale and the draw against Charlton so yeah we didn't fear them coming to this t- this game um, but I fair to say this game was dominated by fouls um, first half was pretty even actually in terms of fouls so you know you can't have the whole fans moaning too much but the second half we definitely started to edge away in terms of the number of fouls committed um, and I'm sure it's something we'll discuss as we go into the game so who started so Shrewsbury actually made quite a few changes into this game there was one surprise so we played um, 3-4-1-2 so we had Vela in the 10 which was a bit different. We have Sarsic in goal, Pennington, Ebanks and Williams, Daniels, Walker, and Norburn was back, which was a surprise. Ogbetta playing left wing back, mm. Vela in the 10, Odo and Wally up front, so no main. So when you saw the team sheet, Jack, were you surprised to see Norburn back in the side? Yeah, I was actually. I thought he'd come onto the bench maybe. I didn't. I hadn't really been tracking his progress back from his injury, but I thought he'd be coming onto the bench this game, maybe getting like 20 minutes, but obviously uh, he's too important to be staying on the bench, so... He's put him straight in there. Did he last the whole game? I can't remember if he went off or not. He did last the whole. Did he last the whole game? Yeah. I can't remember if he got subbed off at the end. We probably stopped him getting from a yellow card. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm more surprised our central midfielders survived the game not getting sent off rather than getting subbed because that was that was how the game developed, wasn't it? But yeah, I mean, yeah. Nor- Norburn getting coming back in is always yeah. He went off at eighteen some... minutes, Edwards. Yeah. There we go. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. What did you make of the front two as well, Jack? Obviously, Maine's kind of not been able to get in the team recently. We went with a Doe and Wally. I don't know what, you know, me and Ollie have talked about this till the cows come in, but what's your preferred two if you were going to play two at the moment? Well, I, did, I thought we were playing one. I thought we were playing Vela and Wally in behind Udo. I thought we were playing like two DMs mm. and two attacking midfield. That's what it looked like to me. I didn't think that Wally was playing up front. But if I was playing two up front, I'd go with Maine. And I'd go, Wally has to play, so Main and Wally for playing that formation. Yeah. Yeah, interesting point, Jack. Um, I thought that um, Wally was a bit closer to a doe. Um, but yeah, our midfield is quite interchangeable, isn't it? So you've got. Mm. Um, I was struggled to understand where Vela was playing sometimes as well. Um, but when I looked at the the average position, Wally was next to um, a doe. But really. certainly, Wally was moving around a lot, and his, his movement is key. And Vela, I struggled for quite a while to see where he was playing. Was he playing the 10 or in the 3? I guess you could argue either way. Yeah, I, I agree, Ollie. That, that's that interchangeableness up front is, is the thing that Wally brings us that I don't think anyone else in the team's really got. Even Chapman, you know, he can't play that up front role. He can sit in the 10, be a bit more dynamic than some of the other players we've got, maybe maybe a bit more than Goss. But Wally definitely gives you something that no one else in the squad's got, I think. And um, yeah, you mentioned he's one of your favourite players <laughs> since you started supporting the, the town, Jack. And um, yeah, he had a good game again, didn't he, I suppose? Yeah, well, he's direct, isn't he? I think that's why, mm. like, why we all like him. He's not afraid to run at defenders and he makes stuff happen. So, yeah, I thought he had quite a good game. I'd still much prefer him to play him on the wing, though. I don't think he has as much of an impact playing as like a 10. 
than as he does when he's playing on the wing. And Oli, I suppose the other change in the team was Sarkic coming back in. You did mention it when he ran through it, but yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one, isn't it? He misses a couple of games um, for, for his little niggle that he's got. Then Harry comes in and doesn't do too bad in one game. It's, it's not great in the other one, um, but we only conceded two goals. Now Sarkic comes back for this one game, and then he's going to go away on international duty, and, and Harry's going to have to play. So it's been a bit of a weird few weeks in terms of changing the goalkeepers around, hasn't it? Yeah, it is a bit odd. I guess we're, I guess we have shown a bit of integrity. Um, I guess we could have said yeah. he's not ready to play yet, and not play him in this game, and then not let him go <laughs> international break. But yeah, I guess it gives um, Harry Burgoyne the chance to to kind of keep that place. But yeah, you'll expect Sarsic to be in goal again when he comes back. And I suppose that brought us to the game. There was obviously a, we mentioned Steve at the start, didn't we? There was a, a nice tribute again pre-match uh, in terms of a well-observed minute silence. Um, and then yeah, down on the knee and, and off we went, Ollie. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a decentish start, wasn't it? I, I would put wanted to point out one thing, which was a very indicative of where that we were going with this referee. And I don't think we really realised it at the time, but he was completely and utterly. He was completely and utterly digging out Josh Daniels for time-wasting in the fourth minute, which I didn't really spot at the time too much. I thought that was a bit weird, but I think that was a bit of a sighter as to what this referee was going to offer us on the day, Ollie. Yeah, he was a bit of a... He had a, he, he impacted the game, let's put it that way. He had a big <laughs> say on the on the say of the game. Sometimes he, he was fine, but sometimes, yeah, he seemed a little bit odd. And, yeah, did Walker really take that much? I guess he did take a bit of time, but, yeah, I find I find it very odd. There's not that consistency piece. Yeah, players normally do are quite slow when they get substituted to give the time for your your fellow colleague to come on. Yeah, obviously Walker got injured a little bit later on, didn't he? Which was another yeah. early marker, I suppose, in the game, uh, Ollie. But um, it's it's not it's not well on the referee too much. Um, and, and let's talk about Town. I mean, you know, the, the half for me was was quite um, I don't know. It was quite defences on top and two teams trying to play football. But I don't know. Let's start with you, Jack. What really stood out to you during that first half in terms of the Town and how we were playing? I think we just matched them, didn't we? We didn't really look mm. out of place. I don't think we like showed them too much respect. But it's been the same against all the top teams we've played. We just we come straight out of the blocks and we don't look out of place at all. We were pressing really well. I think Vela was integral to that. He played. He pressed really well in the first half and created a few chances from it. But yeah, I think the, not showing them all the respect, it helps us when we're playing against top teams and it's probably why we're playing better against top teams as opposed to all the teams down the bottom. Yeah, I think that's totally right, Jack. We, we, I thought we started really well. We were pressing them. Um, and we're well organised, and yeah, it's Hollerus side that really struggle against us. And Vela winning the ball was that kind of first key moment in the game. Um, he mm. wins the ball near the whole box, uh, passes to Wally, who has a shot, and I'll be fair to him or be kind to him. He says he slips as he tries to pull the trigger. Um, ball falls to Vela as a shot and forces the first keeper a uh, save from the keeper, um, which was a good effort. But I thought we started the game really bright, Glenn. Um, and yeah, as, as Jack said, we don't fear these teams. Yeah, I mean, we've commented on some of these games where we've been hard to beat and hard to break down. They've been a bit dull to watch. I mean, yeah, there wasn't a lot happening, but it was a very competitive game, and I thought it was quite watchable in that first half. And you know, Town Town deserved a lot of credit. I thought the midfield snapped around really well um, and shut down some some quality players. I mean, we didn't see Doherty for Hull in the first half at all, which was a testament, I think, to the way that Walker and Norburn got him quite shackled. Um, we didn't let him get forward, and a lot of lot of play around the midfield. Both teams happy enough to knock it around at the back and try and build rather than hit it long. I think that we definitely tried to play more football in this game than we have done in some recent games where we were looking for the long ball and I think we finally realised that in reality Ebanks, Pennington and Williams don't have that, that long ball in them that maybe Pierre has so yeah it was, it was decent I thought we, we thought we thought we played quite well and it was it was really nice on the eye at times I think we've been playing better football since that second half against Dale against yeah. Charlton we tried to play football and this game we tried to play football as well so I wonder whether this is a change in mentality from the manager he's gone right okay we are we're not safe yet but you know we're we've got a good position is he going okay we don't need to play risk-free football let's try and build something and try and create this team into a bit more possession-based side I don't know whether Jack do you think this is something that the manager will want 
um, next season that we'll, we'll we'll play the ball a bit more. Well, I suppose he wants a specific play style, doesn't he? That, and I think he's probably trying to set that in place now. Like you say, we're probably not going to go down. We're definitely not going to go up. So he's got 10 or 15 games to really implement something now that they can build on next year. He can find out which players are going to buy into it and which ones aren't. Mm. And um, he can offload those in the summer and bring in new additions to, to fit his system. But yeah, it's a good good opportunity for him to really, obviously he's not here, but to really put a system in place that, they can win games next season. I think he makes a really good point there, Jack, as well, which is something that um, what, the point you made there about, you know, you get to look at these players, see whether they can or can't fit into his system. And it's funny, I don't know if you saw the interview in the week, Ollie, about Doe talking about, um, he did the pre, pre-match, didn't he, talking about how, you know, he feels like he's on like a mini mini trial because, you know, the manager's been away. He's he's not got a contract for next season, so he's almost got to prove himself and, and he needs some goals. And, um, you know, it definitely is the case for maybe three or four in the team at the moment who are, who are out of contract, Walker, Doe, um, Wally particularly, um, you know that they're, they're trying to earn maybe a deal for next year as well, aren't they? During all of this, yeah, definitely. I think it's an interesting point. A, a lot of players can play for contracts, whether it's with Shrewsbury or another club as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, talking of, of Walker, um, it's a shame he went off injured. Um, I thought I thought he started the game really, really well. It's actually one of I thought probably one of our best players. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting, Glenn, that he's actually started every game since he's been back from injury. That shows mm. that the staff, and it's obviously a new staff um, from Ricketts moving on, actually rate Walker quite highly. He's given us the option to rotate a bit more, hasn't it? Whether it be Vela or, or Goss that misses out or even Norburn with his injury. You know, he's come in at a good time with a couple of midfielders injury and he's obviously ahead of Edwards in the pecking order to start, isn't he? So that's positive for him. I suppose the negative for me, and I'll ask Jack really, is does does Walker get injured too much really to be relied on? Because it's a bit of a pattern developing at the moment, Jack. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he's got the, the ability to play in two different positions. I think he could slot in at centre-half if we needed mm. him. And he's, he could be the fifth choice if we're playing five at the back. I think we do need a fifth choice centre half who I suppose could play centre back or in midfield. But for me, I've, he hasn't really done enough for me. The, the eighteen months has he been here eighteen months or two years. Yeah, I haven't really seen enough of him, and he gets like you say, he gets injured a lot. And I think that's probably going to be his downfall. I can't, I can't see him getting a contract next season. Mm, it's fifty fifty though, Ollie, because what Ollie points out about him staying, you know, starting these games is positive. So it's this injury has come at a pretty bad time for him, hasn't it, Ollie? Let's be honest about it. Yeah, it's come at a bad time. It's a groin injury. Hopefully it isn't too serious. Um, and yeah, hopefully he'll be back because yeah, he needs to play to try and get that contract. Um, but mm. talking in midfielders, um, Norburn um, dispossesses Honeyman, um, who falls to the ground, who, who did that quite a lot, actually. Um, sometimes fair enough, but sometimes I thought he was trying, especially in the second half, trying to get time players booked. Um, Shujitan keep possession. This is one of the bits of play we were talking about where we play a number of passes along the back line. It comes to Worley, um, and this is as Jack was pointing out at the start of the pod, you know, when Worley's on the flanks, he's dangerous. He drives in from the left-hand side and shoots at goal. Probably not the best shot, but I thought that was a good bit of play. And question for you, Jack. So, what have you made of of Wally this season? Um, and would you like Shrewsbury to give him a new contract? I think straight away, yeah, he definitely deserves a new contract. Um, mm. For me, he's still one of the first names on the team sheet, and I think we owe him that much to offer him the contract this season. I've been doing some digging and some stats. So, this season is his best season since the uh, Paul Hurst seventeen eighteen season in yep. terms of contributions. He got. 20 contributions in 44 games in the 17-18 season, whereas this season he's got 11 contributions in only 27 games. So that's wow. only, if you go off contributions per game, in the Paul Hurst season he's getting 0.45 per game. This season he's only on 0.41, so it's not that much of a drop-off. He dropped off, I thought, especially, obviously we only played half a season last season, but last season I thought he was quite poor in that, up until coronavirus happened. And I mean, if you'd mm. asked me then, I would have thought he'd probably be going at the end of the season. But 
you look at other players around the football league, in League One especially, they've got like James Coppinger, you've even got Aaron Wilbraham, Jamie Curriton, Kevin Ellison. Wally's only 33. I mean, some of these players are playing until they're in the 40s almost. Yeah. He could potentially be playing for us for another five seasons. I mean, I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll get a one-year contract and hopefully he'll get some clause in it that says you play 25 games, you get an extra year. But um, yeah, he definitely should be getting a new contract. But the issue that you might raise with Wally is that he's probably his biggest, his biggest asset is his pace mm. and he's going to lose it. I already think, feel like he has lost a lot of his pace. What you could say for Wally, though, is that in the time since he's first signed for us, when he was 27, he was all about his pace. He was quite direct when he was dribbling, but I didn't think he had any technical ability compared to what he has now. I, know, I can't remember if it's you, Glenn, or you, Ollie, but you don't like mm. his crosses. I don't, but I think mm. he's actually really good at crossing the ball. We, we have said that, Jack, actually, on this podcast a few times over the last few years, because I, I really didn't rate Wally for probably the first two seasons he was with us. We used to constantly talk about, didn't we, Ollie, about how I just didn't think he gave us enough end product, and even though he was scoring occasional goals, there was still a lot of stuff that he wasted. Uh, I've, I've openly admitted that I think he's got better technically over the years of being with us through the various coaches, and there's things he does now that he, he didn't really do at the start, and he right he relied on his natural pace and yeah he will lose that pace um a little bit but he, he's kind of morphing into a different type of play you know this role he's playing now doesn't really require that out and out pace like he did when he was a winger so i i completely understand where you're coming from i think he's changed and i've certainly kind of changed my view on him haven't i ollie i think over these over these preceding couple of years yeah i think so too um i think he's definitely improved and i guess sometimes we can be probably guilty of, of maybe expecting too much so yeah. would you say jack he's actually contributing quite well yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, You've got to remember, we're in a team at the moment where we're not scoring many goals. No. And he's. I'd be interested to see how many of the goals we've scored this season he's contributed to. I don't know. Do you boys know how many goals we've it's scored? A lot. Yeah, <laughs> I said it last I said it last week on the pod, didn't I? He's, he's had a hand up until last week in about 36 or 37% of all the goals we've scored yeah. this season, which is mental, exactly. to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, certainly we lose him. We lose a lot of goals out of the team and we'll, we'll need to bring in even more firepower in the summer, won't we, Ollie? But... Um, I don't know. I think it's good. I think that most people probably feel the same way as you do, Jack, and we do that, that he probably deserves another year. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see what Steve does in the summer because it's up to the, to the manager, isn't it? It was around this time in the game, though, as we refocus back onto it, where I started to lose my mind. And it was at this point, I'd totally forgotten that this referee was the guy that was in charge of our playoff game versus Lincoln City and the guy that decided he was not going to punish Matt Reed for his horrible assault on Dean Henderson. Um, and once I remembered that, then I realised that he was having a terrible game because, you know, we talked about the, the book in the the silly red card thing by this point we'd had almost 21 free kicks um by about 10 minutes to go in the first half it was ridiculous we've, we've been having that many free kicks in, in a whole game so they really did slow the game down um and there were some moments in it where it was just ridiculous like there'd be a shoulder barge challenge from Ogbetta foul and then two minutes later we'd get a shoulder barge challenge against us and he'd play on and then it got to the point as the game went on where if you basically brushed up against another player he gave a foul and it just you know, the, the one thing about this first half particularly, and, and it happened in the second half as well, is it just broke the flow of the game up, didn't it, Ollie? And everyone was sort of saying on the radio, oh, that's good for town because, you know, it's helping us match a, a match a team. But yeah, there was times where it felt like a game of football didn't really break out because it was just such a disjointed game with the free kicks, didn't it? Yeah, it was very, very disjointed. Um, it was, yeah, there was, yeah, we committed nine fouls and Hull committed eight, um, yeah. which is... Yeah, it was quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Glenn. I think the referee was one lot consistent and a little bit soft as well. Um, but just on two, one other stat as well, you know, in terms of, I thought this was actually good half for Shrewsbury. Hull only mm. had one shot, which was a, a balloon over, um, over the crossbar. It was miles over. And Shrewsbury actually had three. So in terms of end product, we won. We, we, were, we were more productive than them. We created more chances. But in the first half, we really, really nullified them completely. And yeah, it yep. was a decent half for Shrewsbury. 
Yeah, really good. I thought in terms of my my summary of that whole first half, we're kind of getting to it. Thought Vela stood out for me in that half. You know, he he kind of sat in and made a three at times when they were pushing forward, and it made us really hard to break down. But he also was good at springing bringing forward and getting up with the front players. Just think his work rate was was outstanding in that first half. I say we've mentioned Wally. I thought he was good of than his free kicks in that half. But then one, <laughs> there were so many fouls in the first half. You would have thought there would have been one quality set piece, and there was none. All the corners and free kicks by both yeah. teams were <laughs> absolutely awful. Um, and the last thing I thought in that first half to give someone some credit was Sarkic I thought he was really really good under the high ball something we were a little bit worried about Harry over the last couple of games but Sarkic there were so many times when they put deep you know, what could have been challenging balls in and he, he was great under the uh, great under the high ball and um, I suppose Jack you know it, it's, it's good to have him back isn't it because he, he is much more secure I think in that, that, that situation I think he just brings us more reassurance doesn't he than Burgoyne yep. um, whenever he's in goal Harry Burgoyne I, don't, I, I just feel really like nervous I don't back him whatsoever and it's a shame because you want him to do well because he's like a Shropshire lad and all that but hmm. he's just not He's not as good as Sarkic, plain and simple. And you want confidence from your keeper because it breeds confidence to the rest of the team. So, yeah, I mean, having Sarkic is going to be a massive boost. I mean, it's going to be a boost when we lose him the next two games. Yeah, it was a miss. But just also, just going back to the set pieces, I think obviously yeah. when we Charlie Daniels was doing really well in set pieces, he had a target man in Pierre. And I think we missed that, that, that aerial threat. You know, Ebanks isn't too bad, but uh, has he scored? He scored a couple of goals this season, and Rochelle Williams isn't really a threat from corners. I think we are missing. So yeah, I totally agree, Glenn. The set pieces aren't brilliant, but I think we're also missing that target man as well. In Pierre, who's such an asset in set pieces. Yeah, I, I think that in some respects it was. It, I kept feeling like, it, particularly as we get into the second half, talk about it, it was a game for Maine, and he did come on eventually, and he didn't really do much. But I, I don't know. We definitely missed a target, I suppose. But you know, nil nil at half time, Ollie was fine, wasn't it? That was yeah. a, that was a decent half's football. Um, we've obviously done two weeks in a row now talking about Radio Shropshire's half time coverage, and obviously we get it on the I follow. So um, on it comes, and I thought this was hilarious. We've obviously been talking about them playing music, haven't we? A half time show. Um, do some sort of sports thing. It's a sports show. I don't really care if it's town related or not. It, at least do some. Sports Sports stuff. Anyway, it's, it seemed to feel like they were actually like doing more sport. And Mark Elliott was obviously doing his half-time shtick, and he was talking about local football. And then suddenly, abruptly, he just got cut off. And yeah. they played a sim- they played a simple mind song. It was called "Don't You Forget About Me." I bet Mark Elliott must have thought that. But oh, I, I just thought it was hilarious because they, they, they managed to get their song, and they must have been worried, Ollie, that they weren't getting their music quote ring during the halftime. <laughs> maybe Mark was going rogue and trying to chat about sport and someone decided to cut him off it's yeah whoever it's the decisions made at the top isn't it but there we go that's the end of the Shropshire Radio rant today we'll we'll get back to that if it continues but there we go second half came into it and um, yeah I thought uh, it kind of pattern continued a little bit as it as it started the first half really didn't it with the, the breaking up of the game but it didn't take us too long to score yeah it was kind of like not really too much happened in the first kind of eight minutes of the game no. um, then Town kind of strung a few passes together make an attack um, and we lose it um, and then Ado does really well to win the ball back and he gets tripped and fouled um, so so if you can see Worley Obeta standing over the ball and you you assume that Worley's going to take it because he's a senior pro he's he scored from that kind of similar range um, this season and then Obeta takes it hits the woodwork hits the back of the goalkeeper and goes in the back of the net and cue the celebrations and yeah, Jack, what did you make of the celebrations? The players look very, very happy for, um, for, for Nathaniel. Yeah, it looked great for Ogbetta, but I mean, it makes it worse that he celebrated like that and then he's not being credited with the goal. Mm. Yeah, you've got to feel for him in that situation because especially as a left-back, you're probably not going to get another chance to score a goal this season. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame for him. But hopefully his next goal will be in front of fans. Well, yeah, and hopefully, having seen how he can take a free kick, he's on free kicks from now on. So he probably will get a few more chances, Jack, hopefully, because that was it was, a, it was a class yeah. free kick, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, I mean, what, what a chance. What a, what, 
you know, we didn't know we had it in him, did we, Ollie? I think that was the thing I liked about this the most is that, you know, we were expecting Wally to step up and hit it or maybe as an outside chance, one of Norburn's, you know, low shots that always hits the wall and bounces away. But I, I never expected Ogbetter to step up and he absolutely thumped it, didn't he? And it is so unfortunate it went down as an own goal because it was almost a technically perfect free kick. And <clears throat> the other thing I liked about it was I haven't seen a player enjoy scoring a goal, even though he didn't get it in the end, as much as that. He he was so delighted. He ran off, punching his fist. And I think Jack's right, you know, that the crowd would have gone absolutely ballistic if we'd have been in the stadium when that goal went in because he's one of those players everyone's kind of fallen in love with already. He's clearly class, clearly going to go on to do great things. And that first goal in front of fans would have just been such a magic moment. Another one of those kind of magic moments this season we've had snatched away from us, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, what a, what a great moment and what a great goal. Yeah, it's a real shame for him, isn't it? He's not starting his career in front of fans, but... Guess that's something you'd look forward to um, going yeah. forward, and yeah, it was nice to see him celebrate. And yeah, it definitely was an own goal, but yeah, I feel sorry for him. Yeah, he didn't get it. Um, and then Shrewsbury, I'd say we we're, I don't know, did we sit back a bit more? I think we naturally do, but then I think Hull also raised their game when we scored, um, and then unfortunately they scored. So we scored on fifty-three minutes, and they scored off sixty-two. Um, so Honeyman mm. drives forward, really nice pass into to White, who blades up Doherty, who shoots on his left foot. That shot gets blocked, shoots again on his right foot and goes into the top corner. Not very much and the keeper could do about that. That was a good, really good goal, don't you think? It was such a good goal, yeah. Just, just a, yeah, a sort of goal Doherty scored for us, wasn't it? it? You know, it wasn't quite the same kind of angle, but, you know, I still that, remember that night at Salford, remember when he beat one player, dropped his shoulder and smashed it in on the angle. You know, you're clearly a class player, you know, clearly good good enough to be playing for a team top of League One and probably going to go on to play in the championship next season, I would imagine. And, um, yeah, shame it was had to be him. It's got our sort of old goal scorer curse back on track now because we went ages without one I think we had one right at the season now in a few weeks we had Vassal and now Doherty scoring goals against us so we're up to 3x player goals for the season Ollie which is way below the 9 we had last year so um, I suppose that's fine and that was in a curtailed season so um, yeah we haven't really got back to the, the heights of, the, of that run yet but yeah he played pretty well in the second half Doherty I thought in terms of a com- competitive game he he was one of the ones I thought when we scored really stepped his game up a little bit and really tried to get them back in the game um, as I say first half he didn't stand out but I thought from the moment that we scored he he kind of came to the fore which shows you you know that that's the sort of thing you see from from good players isn't it Jack you know when the tough gets going they're the ones that stand out I suppose yeah I thought he was really good I didn't really think much of Honeyman in midfield he didn't seem to stand out at all I've heard people on Twitter been saying he's meant to be a really good player but I mean yeah yeah didn't stand out whatsoever but yeah I thought Doherty stepped up for them yeah he did that a lot for us when he was playing for us and obviously maybe the last two years we've missed a player like him but I think now we're starting to see a few more players. I think Vela could be that sort of player for us if he's playing further forward where he can really take a game by the scruff of the neck and make a difference in it. So, yeah. I thought Doki did well. I'd say Honeyman wasn't great. Their wing, their full-backs, I thought, were quite poor. But I think that just comes back down to Shrewsbury. I think um, the manager is really good at setting up, setting ourselves up against Hull. And we clearly identified their threats in the first game. And I don't think... Yeah, they had 10 shots in the end. We had seven. Um, they did dominate possession. But I think that was... Yeah, I don't know whether we just kind of ran out of legs a little bit. Um, they had more possession as the game went on. Um, the, the, the foul count kept going up and then we kind of had a small lead then by the end of the game and we kept picking up a lot of yellow cards. And we then brought in quite a few players. So as we mentioned earlier, we brought Norburn, came off for Edwards, who was booked. And then Wally, came, uh, Wally went off for Chapman on 80 minutes as well. And before then, um, Ado came off the main. And yeah, main didn't really do anything. But to be fair to him, we didn't really pass the ball to him that much. So it was, we think it was quite hard for him to get into the game. Um, and yeah, the game kind of, I don't know, it, after the second goal mm. of the game, I don't know, there wasn't a lot to talk about really, I thought. There was that effort from Ogbeta from range um, and a few other bits. But yeah, it wasn't too much to talk about, I don't think. 
No, it was it was fairly combative, but um, there wasn't much quality again in those final moments for both teams. And, and and let's be honest about it, you know, we can keep talking about the referee and and his in his problems, but the amount of free kicks that he kept giving away and the bookings that were getting racked up, some of them for incredibly minor challenges. But he obviously must have said, look, I've given thirty free kicks in this game. I'm going to have to stop booking some people. And we ended up with our our we ended, we ended up with um, Walker getting booked as he went off playing central midfield, and then he booked Davis, Norburn, and Vella all playing central midfield. I thought at some point he's going to walk over onto the bench and just book Goss for existing um, as a central midfielder so he, he didn't manage to he get around to that he did book their manager as well <laughs> he did yeah he did it was it was ridiculous to be fair and it was a very very poor refereeing performance in terms of the way it made for a spectacle in terms of a, of a game to watch at times but yeah I just remembered at the start of the first half there was there was three free kicks in 37 seconds at the st- uh, sorry a minute and 37 seconds at the start of the half one, one, one free kick every 30 seconds and one of them was I think Wally had the audacity to clip a ball up go past a man um, and then run onto it and he, uh, it felt like he got given a foul against him for beating a whole player which seemed a bit a bit far, harsh but it was probably for a high foot but um, he seemed really chummy with the whole players as well which I didn't like um, there was a couple of free kicks they had where he was sort of hanging around talking to Honeyman and when we had free kicks he just was buggering off and he wasn't really talking to our players so I didn't like the whole performance I thought he was a shit referee that's what I'm going to say Ollie on that one I don't know what about you Jack it felt like he did partially ruin part of the game yeah I thought it was a bit of a drab game really it was a game that was there was two big cha- no, there was no big chances during the game and it was a game that was settled by two moments of brilliance by two like good players really mm. there was no clear cut chances and I think yeah the referee is to blame for a lot of that because it was just stop start stop start allowed all the teams to get back into shape and it didn't allow for any sort of open flow in football whatsoever that, that Wally um, foul that you talk about was, was stupid his foot wasn't even that high either he no. flipped over his head yeah. we're in on the defence and he just he pulls it back but yeah well, who was, and- what was the referee's name do you know Oh, I said it earlier on the podcast. Ward, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Gavin Ward, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it is funny. Like, there was a one where, you know, obviously you just mentioned it very quickly there earlier, I think you did. You were talking about where he booked Ogbetter for diving. Uh, sorry, not Ogbetter. Um, yeah, it was Ogbetter, diving in the box, didn't he? Yeah. And that was late on. And it was just like every, every little thing that was going on. But the thing I liked about it the most was, on the commentary, it sounded like there was a crowd, didn't it? Obviously, you had a few yeah, of Jags' ex-teammates there. Um, but I think it, it was a refereeing performance that got everybody associated with Shrewsbury Town so wound up that they were, like, jeering him and giving ironic cheers when we got free kicks and at one point I could swear I could hear a very very angry Brian Caldwell shouting at the referee and I thought that's good we're not there as fans but if Brian's slagging off the referees I'm more than happy to support him as a CEO <laughs> yeah he was very I, I noted that as well it was very um, yeah there's a lot of noise coming um, and it's one of those games and it's I wonder whether how, how the fans would have reacted and whether the, the referee would have changed his approach if there mm. had been fans there um, and, you got yeah, lynched yeah, I, th- I think that Matt would have been one of those games where we would have got quite angry, I think. And I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. There's a lot of things I think that are going on at the moment, which I'm not sure they'd get away with it normally. So players standing in front of the ball, and that's the kind of thing I think fans would get on the back of. And referees would hopefully maybe tamp that down a little bit. But yeah, Hull, Hull's clearly a, a good side from their results. And we do seem to do well against them. I would say I think the fouls probably worked in our favour. Um, I think it's fair to say, I think I'm being unfair to say that they got probably better quality in their squad. And I do wonder, I don't know, obviously we'll never know this, the fouls, were they tactical fouls from us or was it or was it a little bit of the referee or was it a bit of both? Dave Davis's was, that one where he had to take oh, that, that yellow. Oh, that was unbelievable. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was almost, that was almost criminal. That was an unbelievable challenge. He had absolutely no attempt to get the no. ball. 
Oh, well, there we go. Work, though. Stop them attacking. Oh, there we go. I suppose that that was the end of the game, wasn't it? Nil-nil. We probably shouldn't lament it anymore. I think I put a thing interesting that we talked about Steve Jigoka, and it was one of those games that reminded me of Steve Jigoka. It was like a game and an effort from Town that was sort of full of his characteristics. Hard work, a lot of effort, and a little bit of class at the right time, and pride for your shirt. I thought that was quite a nice way, way to leave that game, really, with what had gone on that day. But yeah, good point. Keeps us 17th, Ollie, which is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, we want to stay 17th now. <laughs> actually, we actually quite like us to stay 17th. I've been there for so long. But yeah, we've got those games in hand. Um, so let's be interested to see how we can get on. But yeah, game ended one all. I think off point was fair um, for both sides. So yeah, top threes. Yep. So I went for Vela, Obeta, Pennington. Um, who did you go for, Glenn? Uh I went for Vela. Better, I agreed with that. I went for Sarkic. I just thought, you know, for for coming back after a couple of games with a bit of a niggle, his kicking was really good um, and long, which was something we hadn't seen when he was injured. And I thought he was really good under the high ball, so um, that was fine. Yeah, I, and you know, Pennington didn't stand out any more than the other three centre backs. I thought they were all solid, really. But um, yeah, Pennington, uh, sorry, Vela, better Sarkic for me. What about you, Jack? I went for Ogbetta, Vela, Sarkic, but I am swayed to change. Probably maybe put Vela first after I've seen what you boys have put. <laughs> I suppose Ogbetta's shot wasn't on target, so. I mean, it's basically it was an own goal, so I might have to change that and put Velo at the top. Nah, I think you're right. Ogbetter was really good in the game as well. Take away the goal and all of that stuff. He had another really good performance, didn't he, Ollie? Yeah, actually, it's a good point. I'm glad we mentioned this. We didn't talk about it when we were going through the game. He was our main outlet, and I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, we didn't really use Daniels to this effect, but we played the ball along the back line. Then we'd play a ball to Ogbetter, who would then charge forward. And for me, it was a real outlet. And I imagine it's something we've been working on. Um, so, yeah, I think Ogbetter has been man on the match. I think that's a fair, a fair assumption. But I think it's interesting to see how he develops. And, yeah, we'll come back to yep. Ogbetter. Um, we've got questions from the fans and when we get to Salop News and we'll come back to Ogbetter. But, yeah, good performance from him. And it's just crazy to think that since he signed for us, I believe he's played every single game, hasn't he? Which is just mad for a kid of, of such a young age. Yeah, crazy. Brilliant. Brilliant. I can't wait to see how he develops, to be honest with you. So, so let's wrap up the game, Ollie, <laughs> with uh, Wilbraham's comments. What did he have to say this week? Yeah, so um, we said, you know, four points off the league lead is a good return. It was a good point. I mean, Hull really struggled to break us down. And we're basically going on to talk about our togetherness, which is his, his go-to point, I think. Um, I do feel sorry for him, you know, as we said. We said this a few times. He's not the manager, so it's, it's hard for him to say too much. I mean, yeah, he said Norburn came back ahead of schedule. He had a couple of days of training and we brought him back. Um, and, yeah, we're starting to rotate um, and there's competition for places, which is key because we've got two games a week coming up now as we go into April, which is going to be mental. Um, he talks about Walker, which we mentioned with his groin. He might see if he gets a scan. And then the manager said, we had the chance to take six points against the league leader, but we earned a point. So, yeah, decent decent performance. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure the players and the managers and staff were pleased after after that. Jack, I suppose, you know, we've talked about Wilbraham and, and the job he's doing, but, you know, what, what what do you make of the job he's been doing since he came in here? It's such a difficult situation. He's come in as assistant manager and ended up being a League One manager for half the season. It's um, It's been a fascinating start for him. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because... I don't know how much we can credit him. We don't know how much he's doing himself or is everything that he's telling the players exactly what Steve Cottrell's telling him to say. So it is a hard one to judge. But, I mean, to maintain the team and maintain the performances to the level he has done, he needs a lot of a recognition for that. And, I don't know, maybe there'll be clubs sniffing around him in the summer, maybe some mm. lower league clubs that might be after him. Yeah, it's a good question, actually. We had a, did have a question from, from Murray, from your friend, friend of the pod, Murray James, and he said... Um, at the end of the season, Wilbraham gets offered a, man, a manager's job in the in non-league, in the in the national league. Um, would you be angry if he takes it, Glenn? 
It's interesting, isn't it? You know, if you consider he's been doing a sort of almost caretaker manager job, you know, you think about some other caretaker managers we've had, Mark ja- Mike Jackson. Not let's not mention names. You know, he's he's done a bit better than Mike Jackson has. Obviously, it's not quite the full caretaker job. He's got no. someone in there, you know, overseeing what he's doing. And but there's been times when I will no doubt have imagined that Steve Cottrell was so ill that he couldn't play a massive part in a week's football football that was going on. But because he's worked with with Steve over the years, um, uh, Aaron, he'll have obviously known the way to take it forward without Steve being around. So. I think he deserves a lot of credit. He's the sort of man, man that I think is a, a proper football man. Played till he was forty. I think a lot of um, CEOs and managing directors and chairman of football clubs will, will almost certainly want to take a look at him for a manager's job down the line. Is it too early? I would imagine so. Yes, um, in the summer. But I don't think down the line we're, we're not going to be able to argue that he doesn't deserve a crack at a manager's job somewhere because um, he's he's had a bit of experience on the job that not many managers get. Really, I suppose. Yeah, he said this week as well. He was talking about it, you know this 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 time as one. It's going to make him be a better system manager because he's seen what Steve Cottrell's got to do, so he'll be mm. able to then kind of jump in and help. And also said it has whet his appetite in terms of doing the main job. But he just talk about how he's looking forward to managers being back so he can learn more. Um, I think yeah, I think mm. he'd be, I think he'd be a little bit naive to take a job this quick, given yeah. we've seen managers come in. You know, Sam Ricketts took a job probably too quickly, came to Shrewsbury and didn't really work out for him so yeah he's only 40 he's got plenty of time to be a manager <laughs> but it's um yeah it's, it's good to, if he did go if we did go I'm sure we'd all wish him well well uh, yeah I if I was him you'd want another couple of years under Steve Cottrell's wing yeah, learning it exactly. from, from one of the best whereas Sam Ricketts came into our football club with six months learning under Graham Barrow and look how that ended up so um I think Steve Cottrell might be a better role model to, to base your career on really but yeah. yeah we'll have to see how it goes anyway but yeah we'll leave the game there and we'll, we'll touch on start news now He's back in here again, lost in Barclays there. Stevie J takes the ball, he's got no options though, he's got to run his man. Yes, Stevie J! Two minutes to go! Beautiful! What can you say about that? Austin Barkley feeds him there, into the back of the net, and from 1 0 down, we're into a 2 1 scenario. So, Salad News, so um, obviously not that much going on at the moment, uh, so we having a one game week great chance to have a bit of a discussion and go off on some, some random topics so jack you wanted to have a chat about chapman yeah i did yeah um i don't know the last few weeks his performances have dropped off i don't think he's playing as, as well as he was when mid january and then mid uh, february but last few weeks his performance has dropped off and they released um the shrewsbury twitter released a, a video the other week and he was talking about like his time at the club and stuff and obviously he says the old generic or I'm having a very enjoyable time here and whatever, but obviously he's going to say that. But then he, he touched on the fact that he's having to drive like, did he say like three or four hours every um every day to get here? And he said, I'm pretty. He seems like he's pretty like lonely. He said it's the furthest he's ever been away from home, and I just, I just don't seem mm. to get the idea and the impression from him that he's having a good time. I mean, he, he, didn't he storm off the pitch? He didn't storm off the pitch, but he got yep. subbed off and went straight down the tunnel a few weeks ago, didn't he? Yeah, he did do that. Yeah, he did storm off after he got substituted um, against... I can't remember who it was against. There's so many games, I can't remember which game it was. But yeah, he had a poor game. And yeah, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting discussion point. He talks about that he's, he's, he's from Hartlepool, and he said this is the furthest time he's been away from home. So I'm not sure if he's staying down in the week, and he says his girlfriend's coming to, to stay with him. Um, and, and Jack, do you think do you think there's any chance that we'll keep him from next season, or, or do you think from what he said in this interview, you think it's unlikely? I can't see it happening. I I think that he'll play for Blackburn next year because Blackburn have got that Harvey Elliott, haven't they, at the moment, who's on loan from Liverpool. They won't be getting him next year at all. So, I mean, if Chapman's putting in good performances here when he's not happy, imagine the football he could be playing for Blackburn when he's happy. 
I mean, I'm sure his performances would, performances would be a lot better. So I can't see us keeping him. And even if he did leave Blackburn, he'll, he'll probably go somewhere up north. Only I can't really think of many clubs up there in League One. But yeah, I maybe would wonder what he don't. Yeah, I'm not sure if he lives in Hypel still or if he lives in in, in Blackburn. Um, but either way, yeah, you'd think potentially he maybe get a club in the northeast or northwest. We talked about Chapman a few weeks ago, didn't we, Glenn? And we we're saying his probably his, his contribution, apart from goals, needs to improve. Um, but what what did you make of, of that, Glenn? Do you do you think we can sign him, or do you think he'll want to probably maybe get a get a club a bit further north? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it, on Chapman? It's clearly you know he was in the team every week, scoring goals for fun, you know, playing well in those games, even though he wasn't contributing to assists, but doing enough. And then suddenly it's just got got a little eggy, hasn't it? There's not been that many great performances. Um, there was that incident that Jack just mentioned off the pitch. There's there's this interview where you know people are obviously reading into his demeanour a little bit of a of a low moment, which is which is fine. I'm sure that happens for footballers living away from home. But yeah, I mean, to me, <laughs> he probably thinks he's done enough now to to have that a little show reel to show. A championship club in the summer and get another contract somewhere else and I don't know I said all along Ollie that he's the sort of player that's got too much talent to be playing for Shrewsbury Town probably and when it comes to money um, and, and Steve Cottrell probably trying to use our money the best way possible comments from Brian about how our budget's probably going to be affected next year I'm not sure we'd go all chips in for Harry Chapman to be honest with you because we've got fairly decent midfielders um, we probably need to spend that money on the strike force so I, I can see him not going to Shrewsbury I can see him going somewhere else to be honest with you yeah, I'll repeat what I said like a few weeks ago. I think it would do him good to go to a mid-table League One side rather than going to a top one. I don't think he'd start. Mm. You know, if he was a whole squad, I couldn't see him starting ahead of Doherty or Honeyman. So he needs to put some time. But I don't know. I'm still holding out that there's a chance we're going to sign him. It'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, really looking forward to when we get to that part of the season where we start announcing signings and, and what's happening with the squad. So I guess that's one to want me to keep an eye out. And another yep. player, actually, that Jack wanted to mention, and interestingly, actually, the club did an, a no-filter no training session video, which is always really interesting. Um, yeah, James Rowland, Jack, he's, he, we haven't seen him for a while. Has he? he was around the first-team squad under Sam Ricketts at the start of the season, but he seems to have disappeared at the moment. Yeah, well, he first broke out about two years ago, and I was really confident about him. He was playing in all the EFL trophy games, and he was getting really good reviews. Everyone was talking about how great he played, and he hadn't played in any of those cup games this year. And where did, where did he say he'd been out on loan to? It's some like, like some pub team or something. Do you see what the name yeah, was? Yeah, I can't remember the name of the team. I've never heard of them before. Some non-league side. Can you remember the name of the team, Glenn? Yeah, he went to some random team I've never heard of no. before. Um, were there for a month. He seemed to win a Man of the Match award. Um, but he seems to be back training with Shrewsbury. Um, but Glenn, do you think he'll be playing for us next year? Or do you think you think his contract will be up? Because we actually went to that famous Hull game. We were chatting to his dad, weren't we? Well, yeah, and we were chatting to his dad at Ludlow as well when we saw him. We saw him, uh, his dad that day. Um, had a good chat with him. Then his dad's not particularly happy. Uh, having read his Twitter a couple of times, <laughs> it seems to think his talent might be being wasted, which maybe is. But I don't know. It doesn't look great for the lad, does it? He's back involved in training with the first team, and and that's fine. But what, what chance has he got to impress Steve Cottrell and earn a contract? Um, so uh, I think you know it might be one of those ones where we let him slip. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back at, at, down at a lower level and, and make a career like a John. He's McAtee. only nineteen, so yeah, he's got you know, a bit of time. You look at that John McAtee that left, you know, the one that Hurst took to, to Grimsby originally. Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe, sorry, that was it. Yeah. Um, and he's done well there. So, you know, you can't write James Rowland off. I just get the feeling that, um, you know, we're, we're not really playing a position, a, a style of football he would really slot into that well at the moment either. So I think he's decent enough, but um, probably going to be somewhere we see him develop in the non-league or League 2 and, and come I back, really. one thing that we'll obviously say is obviously that um, the fact that Longwell will know him really well. 
Ashtray, um, yeah. And he'll know his ability. So it'll be one. Maybe it's maybe it's the one that maybe offer him an extra contract. But yeah, as you go from his dad's Twitter account, maybe he'll be going somewhere else. But um, <laughs> we want to spawn yeah. another one to keep our eye on. What I don't understand how we have players like James Rowland, who two years ago we all thought was on the cusp of starting the league for us, and now he's not even like anywhere to be seen. And we're still signing players like David Davis. I don't really see the point in signing him. We when Steve Cottrell came in, he, he said the squad was far too big. Yeah, he's come in. He signed another centre mid. When we've got who we've got Goss, Vella, Norburn, Walker, Edward, Edwards, and Rowland. That's six centre mids, really. I don't think we need. There's a need for a player like David Davis, who I bet's on quite a significant wage. When we've got youth youth players like James Rowland knocking about, we might as well just try feed them in if, if they're good enough. So maybe mm. it speaks volumes about his quality. Maybe he's he's not all that we all thought he'd crack up to be. Yeah, I think that's a good summary, Jack. Yeah, you don't sign David Davis if you don't need him, do you? And actually, I thought David Davis actually had probably one of his better games so far. I actually thought he played some good bits of of class in that game and and he's obviously getting back up to to match speed. And yeah, Mm. what do you think, Glenn? I was just about to say we're talking about we're talking about James Rowland, but you know you could file under this same bracket Ryan Barnett. Yeah, Where's Ryan Barnett now? He's isn't... out on loan at Solihull Moors. You yeah, know? he is. Yeah. And, and he went out to Gloucester City. Obviously, their their season got curtailed, didn't it? So he's gone to try and get football at uh, the level that's still playing. But you know, he's someone that was on the on the cusp of playing a few games for us, wasn't he? And, in, and since 2016, he's now had four, five loan spells. And um, you know, a couple a couple of young lads that you just think are getting to the fringes of it, and, and then not quite pushing on because of manager changes or whatever the reason. But you know, we do like to see young lads coming through and um you know ryan sears now sort of looks like he's at the head of that doesn't he now he seems to be the one well yeah we, we, and where's we, he? Could, <laughs> we could end we could end up starts next season without all three of them Easy. Um, and basically yep. yeah we'll have then, have then we'll be waiting on another batch of youngsters coming through the uh, guy there's the guy lewis dubry who's been selected for the montserrat international oh, yeah, sorry, team yeah. Put him top of the list, Ollie. I reckon he'll be the next one to kind of half play for us and then disappear. <laughs> yeah, there's a few kids because if you if you don't know if you saw that video, Glenn, that unfiltered training one, but there was Bloxham, yeah, um, who's got look more for, more facial hair than me, so that's interesting. Um, and then yeah, there's <laughs> quite a few players coming through who are training with the first team, so hopefully that bodes well for the future. Because yeah, we all like youth players coming through, and obviously it's it's more economical as well, and it's yeah, sometimes you can maybe make a bit of money on them as well if they do push on. I suppose with all the budgetary issues that Brian set out next year, maybe they're getting these youth players involved now because we might we might have yeah. to rely on them. We can toss them a cheapo contract in the summer and sign them up for a couple of seasons and hope one of them breaks through. And if they don't, they can they can do a job as our backup players because I get the feeling a lot of football clubs are going to have to cut their cloth accordingly this summer and, and maybe that's the solution. So maybe we haven't seen the last of Barnett and Roland. Maybe that'll be their get-out-of-jail-free card, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens, won't we? Yeah, we will. So, yeah, some, we had to ask them some questions from fans. So, so George Willis said... How 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 much could Ogboto be worth if he stays injury free? Given his recent given recent sales for Enciala and Nolan, he appears to be generating top level ability akin to Godfrey and Henderson. So I'll let you guys go first. So Glyn, what how good do you think Ogboto could be, and what kind of what level do you think he could go to? Well, he's good. Um... I think I'd want to watch a whole season before making too many judgments of him. Obviously, we've only seen him since Christmas time, but he's been fantastic in all those games. How high can he go? Clearly better than Shrewsbury Town, um, but I think it's probably a bit too early to say he's definitely going to play in the Premiership or like Dean Henderson go on to play for England. But he's certainly going to have a good career um, if he stays injury-free. Um, and he's certainly, if we can get the contract situation right, probably the sort of player that we'll make a fair bit of money out of. Um, 
but you know we've got to make sure we don't lose him on a free or something. So yeah, how much is he worth? I don't know. You know, post pre-COVID, probably was worth more than Nolan. Um, but I suspect the market is pretty depressed now and probably will take years to recover. So maybe if we got Nolan Nasala money for him, I'd consider that to be quite a good deal in a couple of years' time. But it's hard to tell where the market's going. But he's just class, isn't he? But um, I think I'd need to see him play another half a season before you could say quite where he's going. Um, but yeah, he's certainly heading upwards. I would say that, Ollie. Yeah, what about you, Chuck? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like him. He's, he seems really, really determined and he's got this tunnel vision that whenever he's in interviews, he's just, he seems so focused on his football. And we're talking about a price tag. I mean, we haven't seen enough for him to say that if he's going to be like as good as a player like, say, James Justin at Luton, who went for £8 million, didn't he, to Leicester? But, um, so I'm not saying he's worth eight mil, but um, if we've had him, if we have him for a year and a half and he's performing to such a high level, yeah, there is no reason we can't get maybe a million pounds for him. And that'll builds another training ground if you want another one. Yeah, no, he's definitely going to do well. I think Glenn's right to say we're not. it's hard to tell. When we saw Ben Godfrey play, he just seemed a class above and obviously now he's a regular in the Premier League. You know, we need to, and obviously he's a bit younger and a bit less experienced mm. than Ben Godfrey was when he when he came to us. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think at the moment you'd say he's, you know, he's definitely got potential to be a championship player. I don't think that's too too unreasonable to suggest. Um, he's got good physical attributes. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, he's going to push on. Uh, whether he's good enough for the Premier League yet, yeah, I think we'll have, to, we'll have to see how he performs um, and see how, how he does um, when he has a drop in form and, and obviously plays a few more games. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how he gets on. I think a big one for him is, and for us is how we're going to manage that contractual situation um, because clearly, you know, what did he sign? Was it a three-year deal when we signed mm. him? Yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll obviously have to see how that one that one plays out. Good stuff. Um, one more question, haven't we, Ollie? I think in, in this section yeah. from uh, from Shoes Fans USA, um, and it's just about points totals. Um, I'm going to give a really easy answer to this one. It says, what's your opinion on the safety points total for this season? Once we reach that, do we expect to experiment more with the squad? I, I don't even look at things like this season. I'm, I'm 100% sure we're safe already, so I'm not... Whatever points total we're on now is the safety total because I can't see many of those teams down the bottom catching us. But I don't know, have you got a target you want us to get to before you all think, oh, we're 100% safe? Yeah, the, the kind of the famous one for, for League One and League Two is 50 points, isn't it? Yeah. That's the total that most people kind of think about where we are now seven points away from that. And also we've got, so Fleetwood are on, on the Magic 50, but they've played a few more games than us. We've still got two games in hand on, um, oh, sorry, we've got four games in hand on, on teams above us, um, so yeah, I think I think we'll be fine. But I'd say that fifty point mark is is going to be is going to be is what we need. And in terms of experimental, I guess that links back to Barney and, and Roland and and some mm. other youngsters. Maybe we'll see them in in the squad um, as we get as we get closer to the end of the season. What about you, Jack? Do you think we're safe already, or are you still are you still going to be nervous until we get a couple more wins under our belt? Yeah, we're definitely not safe already. But I mean, I haven't heard <laughs> of any any team that's been in a position like ours. What how many games have we got left? Thirteen. Mm. 13, 13 games left to not get you'll you'll get a win along the way that you could play awful yeah. all 13 games and you'll get a win and you'll get a couple of draws and I reckon 47, 48 will be enough for us to stay up yeah. probably 46 to be fair but there's what is the I reckon there's 6 teams out of 4 that are going to go down from that, that group down there yeah, and we're well ahead of them now, aren't we? Yeah, to be fair, and Burton have dragged okay. themselves up right onto our coattails, which is what makes Tuesday night quite interesting. But you know, could could be we do the job on Tuesday night. I mean, another three points, and you send send Burton a bit of a gap to them, and I'd, I'd feel even more safe. But um, yeah, there you go. Ollie wants the magic fifty points. That's fine, um, and we'll see what happens with the squad as we go on. I'd like to see us experiment. Just touching on that, I'd like to see some of the players who haven't really had too much of a chance get a go. But um, there's not that much strength in depth on our bench, Ollie. So I'm not sure what playing Pike for three or four games is really going to show us. But there we go. He's got um, a long term contract, mate. <laughs> Is he? Great. Um, yeah, I know he is. Uh, but you know, that doesn't mean we can't get rid of him. Um, 
Predictions, Ollie. We'll finish the podcast off here. Um, yeah, we we both went to lose to Hull. We were too negative. Um, says here that JW is that Jack? Yeah. Did he predict a draw when you were talking yeah, to him? Yeah, Jack. So I said the agenda ahead of time. Um, so oh. Jack could get a sense of what we do. And Good yeah, Jack, po- Jack popped this in midweek, didn't you, Jack? Yes, I did. Yeah, what does it say? I can't read it. One all. One all draw, yeah. Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> Wasn't with that. Yeah, no good go. prediction. So obviously Jack had confidence that Sam, uh, Sam Ricketts, that Steve Cottrell oh. would put uh, come, to, come together with a good game plan. Um, so yeah, looking ahead, we'll go back to normal now. We've got a, a double game week. Um, it's going to be against two teams with new managers as well. Yep. So we've got Burton Alban on, on Tuesday night away. Um, so it's a real shame we can't go to that one. That's always a good away trip. Um, yeah, their recent form, obviously they were absolutely flying, um, but they've started to kind of slow down a little bit. So the last three games, so they beat Crew 3-0, which is obviously a really good result. They drew with Blackpool 1-0, and then they lost to MK Doms 2-1 on Saturday. So they were on a ridiculous run of form, um, mm. but looks like maybe they've tailed away a little bit. So I think this actually should be a really, really good, entertaining game. Um, so yeah, I, I reckon we could get a, a victory here. What do you think, Glenn? I'd love to beat Burton, because we've been there loads of times, and we never seem yeah. to win. We, we sometimes have played okay. We've been diabolical there, to be honest with you, in some of those winter but games. we've been where we played the really well there and not got yeah. results. and we never seem to get over the line. So I'm feeling this might be the time to do it, because I'm, I'm, I'm actually more confident about this week than I think most town fans would be. I could see us going to Burton and getting a draw, and despite Saturday being against Portsmouth and Danny Cowley being in charge now, they seem to think they're going to walk here and win, and I think they're going to come up for a, for a shock like Hull did, to be honest with you. So I, I think a, a draw away at Burton and then a draw against Portsmouth who are going good guns this season I, I I can't quite see us getting a win this week but I can I definitely can see us going unbeaten which would be more than more than encouraging enough for me so I'll go for draws in both those games and for predicting Portsmouth I'll go for another 1-1 draw I think OK 1-1 draw what are you going to go for Jack for, for the Saturday game I uh, don't like to be pessimistic but I can't see us <laughs> winning I think we'll probably lose both of the games uh, Burton <laughs> well it's funny that Burton game because the reverse fixture back at the Meadow was a strange game wasn't it but didn't we score equalised in like the 99th minute yeah. yeah, I think that was the worst yeah. point as well. Where Ricketts's football was at its worst. I remember it was really, really toxic after the game on Twitter, and everyone yeah. was calling for his head. And I think we were twenty third, and they were twenty fourth, or it might be the other way around after that <laughs> game. But now, obviously, we're both out of it now, and we're both pretty much safe. But I, I don't know. Burton are playing really well at the moment, so I, I think they'll um, they'll probably do one over on us. And yeah, Pompey. I think I think Pompey will easy get the playoffs now, and I think they'll probably end up winning it because now they've got Danny Cowley, and I think yeah. Yeah. Just that new manager bounce, isn't it? You get, you get with every manager. So, what score are you going to go for? Uh, I'd go uh, two one Burton in the first game, and then probably one 0 Pompey in the the one Saturday nil. game. One 0 yeah. defeat. Okay, one 0 defeat. I'm gonna one go... goal this week. That's about bang on for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for. I don't know. I, I I'd love. I'm going to go for what I want rather than what I think. I'm going to go for two <laughs> one Truth Town win, and it's going to be an absolute shower of. Of a torrent abuse and anger and frustration and Shrewsbury Town fans being very cheeky online on the Saturday afternoon. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 <laughs> win for Shrewsbury Town. That's what I want to happen. And the Burton game, anything could happen. Um, I, th- I think whoever scores first yeah. in that Burton game will win the game and there's no reason why we can't win. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an absolute um, marathon now with two games a week for the rest of the season. Yeah, hopefully we don't get any games got called off for COVID or bad weather or something, because I'm not entirely sure we have any spare weekends left, do we, to fit them in, so that could be problematic. Um, One thing I would say, the whole game is a really good marker going into these two games to say no fear, isn't it? So I I can't see us going and parking the bus. We didn't park the bus against Hull, so more more credit than than, than anything really for that. So there we go, another busy week coming up. We'll be back next week, Ollie, won't we? Just me and you, as it's a two-game week, and uh, we'll have lots to talk about. And as I say, keep an eye out for for other things uh, coming out as well during the next couple of weeks as well. We'll we'll let fans know when we're doing that, Steve 
Ninja Gaelka special. Um, but yeah, cheers. I suppose, Jack, thanks for joining us. Good to get a new voice on. Cheers, thank you for having me, boys. I really enjoyed it. Good man. And Ollie, well, yeah, I'll catch you next week, mate. Yeah, we'll be back again. And yeah, fingers crossed we'll have some goals and some and some interesting points to discuss. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>